Good morning. Well, my name is Edgar King. For those who are here for the first time, and I'm the lead pastor, it is such an honor to, to celebrate this day with you. We will baptize uh, our friends in not too long. Why don't we stand together for the reading of scripture? Just gonna... We've been on a series of uh, uh, talking about healing. And we started by reading a scripture Jesus read right at the start of his ministry uh, that is found in Luke 4. This time we'll read it in its, uh, from its uh, script in Isaiah. anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, and release from darkness for, for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Luke 4 verse 20 and 21. Then he, Jesus, rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Lord, we ask that you, uh, through your spirit, you speak to us both as a community and as individuals. Lord, we ask that even today that this scripture will be made true in our hearing. So come set us free, come in healing, come in forgiveness, come emboldening us to actually do what you've called us to do in Jesus' name. You may be seated. So we've been talking about healing. Um, I have really, really encouraged us to actually, uh, so one, we started by, by saying, hey, what Jesus was offering was a lot more than just forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness of sin is great because our relationship with God is restored. But Jesus has invited us to a lot more than that. Another way to look at it, it was new creation. Jesus was setting in motion new creation. Something went wrong with creation. Jesus came to, uh, came to set right what went wrong and begin new creation which also includes uh, uh, the, the making new of our bodies. Even Jesus' resurrection, Paul calls it the first fruit of what is promised. So even our bodies are, made, uh, are, are supposed to be made new. And so Jesus reads this scripture and says, this is the fulfillment. What does it include? Yes, forgiveness of sin, good news to the poor. It also includes uh, uh, prisoners being set free. Uh, those, uh, uh, it also inc includes healing, physical healing. And right after that, he actually sets out and starts doing it. But not only did he do it, he taught his disciples to do it and expected them to continue it. Part of my invitation through this series has been that you as disciples of Jesus are invited to lay your hands on the sick and pray for them. It's not for the few. It's for as many as believe in Jesus. If you believe in Jesus and you are following him, you are who uh, are the people who are invited to lay your hands on the sick and pray for them. And, and I know we start there and people get jittery. Forget the results for a moment. When I say that, I'm not saying healing doesn't happen, I'm inviting us to what it's about. It's about our discipleship to Jesus. 
Something does happen in us as we practice the way of Jesus, which includes praying for people. And then a lot of times, things happen around us, including miraculous healing. Well, what about all the stuff we've seen on the news that aren't true? What about some, you know, some people come here and they have real experience with spiritual abuse. And so, you know, whoa, does, my invitation is yes, there's a lot of fake stuff out there. Stay around the real thing enough. Stay around the real thing enough. Trust God to just go, okay, I, I trust you that you lead us to the truth. One of the things Jesus uh, said about the Holy Spirit is that he will lead us to all truth. Now, as we've been talking about healing, I know so many people would be here going, well, you know, I lost my parents and we prayed for them. A couple of people here would be, well, you prayed for me, nothing happened. Some people would be here with something they've battled with for a couple of months. Others would be here with something they've battled with for years. And so it becomes, for some people, you know, even as we brought people up front to talk about their, their, their experiences with healing, for some of you, it's hard to, to wrap your head around it because you're going, been there, done that. Some of us got so emboldened in the last couple of weeks and prayed for the sick. And some of you have come back excited because uh, uh, healing might have happened. Some of you might be discouraged and thinking, I don't want to try that again. So as we wrap up, uh, uh, I, I want to just give a huge gratitude to everyone who shared their stories with us. Because you inspired faith. And you all shared your stories with so much vulnerability. And so as we wrap up, uh, we, I want to pick up from where uh, Sean and Meredith took us to, you know, let's actually talk about what happens when healing doesn't happen. So let's not call what, what, let's not call something what it isn't. Let's not call something healing when it isn't healing. You know, uh, what I mean by that is sometimes we, uh, the church is used to making excuses, you pray for someone who came, with, with, uh, came sick in their body, and then you go, well, but God has done something inside you. Great, that is true, but they were really hoping to go home without a headache that's been on them for two months. So I'm not saying that, that, wasn't heal, uh, that, that God didn't do anything inside them, but let's become an honest people and say, oh, well, you know, we prayed for someone, they had a headache, it never left. Um, yesterday I was uh, burying a dear friend of mine so uh, George and I actually just arrived uh, in Nakuru today at 7am uh, and I remember praying for him in Kenyatta and well you know just, just a, 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 an, an amazing testimony so right, right, before, right before he lost his, his battle to cancer, he prayed for his children. He never lost his faith. That just blows my mind. And it's such an encouragement. 
Yet so many of us surrounded his bed and prayed for him and said, Lord, we've seen you do it. We are asking you to do it again. Did God give him strength? Yes. But he was never healed of leukemia. Let's not give excuses. Uh, the, other, the other thing that often happens around church is claim it. Like you're walking around with a limp and someone says, no, you just claim it. The problem is that you're not claiming it. Well, but I, I still have this incredible pain in my leg, no matter how much I claim it. This is not, this is not a, a, a removing from believe that God will heal you. Let's not call what, uh, something what it isn't. And I loved uh, the, the, the leadership team was sitting and, and thinking through last weekend. And I asked, what was the most impactful thing uh, for, for people? And everyone just said, the fact that Meredith and Sean said, our son is not a consolation prize. I thought, that's just amazing. Like, when God gives us gifts, He's not giving us a consolation prize because we didn't get what we asked for. So let's not do that either. Like, oh, well, but God gave you this one. Oh, now I... No. Two things can be mutually, uh, 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 those truths are not mutually exclusive. It's like I prayed for this, this didn't happen. Oh, yet I joy in this because God has given me this, right? We can receive the gifts of God. And already I'm inviting us to be a people who can sit in attention we know too much. The already and the not yet. Already I'm inviting us to sit in attention we know too much. That sometimes grief and joy sit side by side on this side of heaven. But it's not just us. Even Jesus dealt with this. So one day Jesus come, uh, you know, meets uh, some of his disciples. They had been praying for a demon-possessed kid and nothing was changing. Do you know what Jesus didn't do? Well, but guys, don't worry. God has done something inside him. Do you know what Jesus didn't do? Just, just encourage him to claim that he is free. Do you know what Jesus didn't do? He didn't say, uh, what was the other one? He didn't give any excuses. This child was still being oppressed by demons. So what Jesus did was cast out the demon instead. One day Jesus was praying for a blind, uh, was, was healing a blind man. And then he asked him, you know, the interview thing we were talking about. What can you see? And the guy says, I can see, but people are like trees. That's the tension of the kingdom. Even in Jesus' Jesus's own ministry. He didn't go, well, behold, you've been healed. Don't say that you cannot see. No, he, he asked him, what can you see? I see people, but they're like trees. What Jesus is in the synagogue, he opens the scroll that's been handed to him. He reads from Isaiah, uh, what we call chapter 61, what we just read. So he's reading from the scroll of Isaiah, which was a collection of prophecies and oracles. Uh, by, uh, and, and, and what Jesus does after that is saying, well, guess what, people? This is happening right now. Jesus is leading people. This is 
happening right now. Jesus is leaning into a belonging for the people. In scripture, there was a growing expectation of, uh, for God's people that they will have a Messiah who will come and set them free. They had gone through, uh, uh, you know, they had a kingdom. They, lo- they, were, they were in slavery with a lot of promises. God gave them the, the promises. They had a kingdom. They lost it, got back. It was this back and forth, back and forth. And they got to a place where they're saying, one day God will send us a new king. At this point, yes, there was a king, but, but he wasn't. They just knew that this guy is working with the Romans. But one day God will send us another king. The, the, the title for this king was Messiah or Christ. Christ isn't Jesus' last name. It's not, he's not called Jesus' last name Christ. Christ was a title, meaning the anointed one. So there's a growing expectation in Israel that God has anointed a king that will come and set us free. And it's pointing towards a certain person uh, anointed by God, and, and, and he, would, he would restore the kingdom as they knew it. So they kept waiting, they kept waiting, they kept waiting. But over and above that, for a large majority of the Jews, this Christ, the Christ they were waiting for, would be divine. He would be God's own son. He would be the son of man, which was a title uh, referring to the Christ, but with a very special relationship with, with Yahweh, their God. For some of them, even, there was an expectation that God himself would come. So you read a lot of prophecies in the Old Testament, and you hear, you, you see the words, on that day, or on the day of the Lord. What, was, what were they saying? There's a day that's coming when Yahweh, our God, will come himself to make things right. So that line in Isaiah, when, when Jesus says to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, he's saying, this is the day of the Lord. Now you see why they killed him. How dare you? Because if someone says all your hopes and dreams are fulfilled in me, they're either mad because they believe it, or they're such terrible people because they're toying with your feelings, or they actually mean it. Isn't that true? Look at why Kenya is disillusioned. Because politicians from time to time said, behold, I am your salvation. And three things, they were either mad or lying or they meant it. I don't know. We'll judge over time. So C.S. Lewis says, you know, Jesus is either mad Or he's such a terrible person for lying. Or he actually means it. Because he kept saying, I am the fulfillment of all of humanity's hopes and dreams. But he doesn't just say it. He goes from there to demonstrate it. So Jesus, right after reading this scripture, they try to kill him. And he moves to a different town. Jesus starts healing the sick. He's doing the very things he said. Jesus starts teaching the truth. He's doing the very things he said. He casts out demons. He, he, you know, he's, he's giving the lame ability to walk. What is Jesus doing? He is demonstrating that he is the fulfillment 
of everything. The king has come. The long-awaited future. The long-awaited day of the Lord. And if you, if you wonder if we have that in our minds, so many believers have this idea on judgment day. Right? So many of us talk about uh, eternal life. And we talk about it as if it's that thing in the future. It's the same experience for the Jews. But Jesus was saying, hey people, it has come and I am it. The long-awaited, whatever you call it, whether you call it judgment day, whether you call it when, when, when we die, whatever you, whatever terms you use, that hope you have that God can put things right. Jesus was saying that has come in me now. The long-awaited future has come and God is becoming king. And so he lives his life saying these things, demonstrating these things, leading up to the cross. One way of viewing the cross of Jesus is not just forgiveness, but the moment that God became king. Something went wrong with creation. And some other power usurped or pretended to be in charge. And so there was a time of death, chaos, sin, heartbreak. And then God, through Jesus, came and dismissed, because he'd been saying this. Now I'm going to go away, but I'll come back. Like, wait a minute. You just said everything has been fulfilled. Yes, now I'm going to go away, and I'll come back. He actually says, it is good that I go away, because then you all receive the Holy Spirit and become like me. You become little Christs. That's what Christians mean. Little Christ. Like what? Okay. So what this created is this interim period between Jesus has come and he's coming back again. Are we together? It's created this season between Jesus has come and he's coming back again. So the king has come. Therefore the kingdom has come. The king is yet to come, therefore the kingdom is yet to come. We're in this period where the enemy has been dethroned, but he's not been expelled. The enemy has been dethroned, but he's not been expelled. You remember I said that something happened and someone else, some other power pretended to be in charge. And it created this period of sin and chaos and death and, and, and all the evil we see. Call that now. Call that this age. When you see this age in scripture, that's what they're referring to. Then when they talk about the day to come, they're talking about the age where our tears will be wiped away. They're talking about the age where there shall be no sin. There shall be no death. They're talking about the age where all your hopes and dreams about what you think God really meant for a good life are fulfilled and even more than you can dream of or think of. And Jesus says the age has come. So we're in an overlap of ages. 
We're living in an overlap of this, uh, this age and the age to come. Because this age actually ends when the kingdom of God is fully here. So that's what Jesus, that's what his going and coming back created. A season where the king has indeed come, therefore the kingdom of God has come. And an expectation for the king to come and the kingdom of God to yet, uh, uh, yet to come. So, that creates tension. That creates tension, which we experience everywhere. If you read the, uh, the writings of Paul, there are times he's, he's talking about, we've been saved. And then there are, there are times he's saying, we will be saved. Like, wait, Paul, make up your mind. Is it saved or be saved? Both. Then there are other times he writes, we are being saved. I, oh, Paul, you're losing me. Which one is it? Yes, all of it. But, but I'm sure we feel this. In my experience, there are, seasons, there, there are days in my life I feel totally forgiven. I am sure of my identity in Jesus. And I'm a great representative of the kingdom. And then there are days I'm going, Lord... Have you really forgiven me? Am I alone? And then there are days someone says, you are. So a friend of mine was, in a, was, a, was on the train going to Mombasa. They were being rowdy. I, they told me this story. I'm like, you people are terrible. But then uh, a nun started being very, very nasty towards them. And, and she looked at them and said, you are a terrible representative of the kingdom. I just laughed. That's not, you know, forg forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. Anyway. So, I'm good. Yeah, anyway, I almost got distracted. Well, so there are days where if someone could look at you and say, you're a terrible representative of the kingdom, you go, yeah, you know, you're right. Thanks for telling me. Which is it? Both. And so on those days, the days I'm sure of my forgiveness, I'm, I'm going, I've been saved. I'm not that person. And then there are days I'm going, Lord, thank you because I will be saved. And then there are days I tell people, you know what? I'm being saved because I know who I was last year and that ain't me no more. Do we all relate? That's the tension of the kingdom. And if we're honest, it creates frustration inside us. It creates frustration. And we see it in the world around us. You, you engage in mercy and you adopt an orphaned child. So now we have uh, one, one person who has a loving family. And, and you know what that is? The good news has come to the poor. That means the kingdom of God has come. That's how the kingdom of God spreads. And then on the following day, there's a riot in Nairobi. And someone's parents are killed. And another child is offered. God, is your kingdom here or not here? Both. Both, all at once. And it creates a tension and a frustration. God, where is your justice? Is it here or should we wait for it? Both. There are friends of mine who offer legal aid to people who've been wrongly accused and they don't have access to lawyers or anything. And, and, you know, this is the work of the kingdom when the prisoner receives freedom. 
So they celebrate when one of them gets the news that, 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 that they, have, they have been uh, set free. But at the same time, somebody else is bribing their way through the justice system. God, is your justice here or should we wait for it? Both. It's both already here and it is yet to come. It's the same way. We pray for the sick and you go, oh my word, it's incredible. They got better. And then we pray for the next person with, with such a boost of faith and they don't get well. And they're close to us and we love them and we lose them. God, is your healing here or is it yet to come? Both. This is a tension we live with. But it's not uncommon. It's not uncommon. We see it in just normal day life even. Let me use this illustration. You see, African believers, African followers of Jesus are often stuck in between uh, ancient practices of our culture and, and our newfound family. Now, I'm not even talking. Forget the, there are certain practices of our cultures that dishonor God and, you know, I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about normal practices where people say, but this is what our people used to do. And then we have a new family and it's a mix of everything. And, you know, what do we do? And one, one thing that often happens uh, is that around weddings is people will do a bit of their African thing as they wait for church wedding, right? Happens all the time. So many of you have gone through that. Now I'm gonna use, you know, I'm gonna use a very common, so the, 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 the Kikuyu communities or Asio has become a common term. Even when, when it's a challenge in going for Koito, they say, we went for Orashio. Like it's just become the term. So I'm gonna use that, but I'm, I'm gonna define something that I really think is a, is a common experience for many African believers. So assuming your, the family allows you to do all of it together, in, in the culture, you are considered man and wife the moment you finally uh, give the one, one he goat and one she goat, right? It's like the, the culture considers you married. That's it. Well, before there was one more other thing for the, what is it called? The shoulder thing. I don't know. But nowadays it's completed on, on the same day because of legal reasons. But the moment, the moment you give your final one he goat and one she goat, the culture considers you man and wife. But then you do complete that. Do you have a spouse or do you not have a spouse? You do. But oftentimes, because of our faith and we want to celebrate it with the family of God and we want the blessings of, of, of the people of God, there's a wedding date. So do you have a spouse or are you, are you waiting for your spouse? Both. And so what often happens there's a bit more freedom, but not all freedom, if you know what I mean. Right? So do you have a wife or do you, are you yet to have a wife? Both. You see, after that, you know, Rorashios and Koitos are very, very stressful. That's the one place, you know, that's the one place I go, Lord, this is going to be quite a thing. Uh, because, you know, you, you know, uh, 
in most cultures, I will not be allowed to speak for myself, and so I'll have to go get my dad, and, and dad's going to juice it, like, oh, you know? Uh, it's going to be fun, but it's going to be stressful. But you know, the moment I pay that one goat and one, one, those two goats, I'm like, guys, all these things you're telling me, now I can really decide, you know? <laughs> So it's like you have, you, you have a spouse, you're yet to have a spouse. There's a tension. It's been inaugurated, but not consummated. Does that make sense? Another example. You know, something that, you know, because I said that and, and a few other cultures have no concept of that. So I'll bring something we all can relate to. When a president is voted in, and they win the election. So for some weird reason, for all intents and purposes, they are the president. But then that other guy is still in office until inauguration day. Do you have a president or do you not have a president? Both. Now, a lot of countries have this thing called president-elect. So let's push it until, until inauguration day. Until inauguration day, the instruments of power exchange hands, don't they? And, you know, we watched ours uh, a little over a year ago, and the aid de camp shifts sides because power has shifted. There's a new president in town. But we all know that the cabinet secretary, the, ca the, 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 the ministries have to keep functioning, so the cabinet secretaries of the last president are still in office. Or some of some legal things like, like the, the, the finance law of the last president remain in play until this new president brings his. So it's like, yes, we have a new president, but the old regime is kind of hanging around. It's been inaugurated. It is yet to take full effect. Does that, does that bring it closer? That's the same thing at the cross of Jesus and his resurrection, the kingdom of God was inaugurated. And so at this moment, we experience the life and the power of the age to come. That's why we keep saying eternal life starts here. We're not waiting to die to start eternal life. You have eternal life if you're a follower of Jesus. Yet we kind of know that there's a portion of it that is yet to come. And it will come when Jesus comes back. Because eternal life shouldn't have the tears. Eternal life shouldn't have the sickness. Eternal life shouldn't have the demonic oppression. Eternal life shouldn't have grief. It's now and it's not yet. That's why it's the same reason why when we pray for the sick, sometimes we, we see them get healed. What has happened is that we are experiencing the kingdom of God now. The power and life of the age to come has come, has broken in right here, right now. And then sometimes when it doesn't happen, it's because we are yet to experience the fullness of the kingdom of God. We're living an, in an in-between ages. There has been inauguration. There's yet to be consummation. Now, this was the experience not just for us, but even for the disciples. 
I want to read scripture for you. It's a miraculous escape from prison by Peter. They were being persecuted by Herod, being arrested, and, and then they would gather and pray. You see, if someone you know is, is arrested and persecuted, you gather and pray. So this is Acts 12, uh, 6 to 11. The night before Peter was to be placed uh, on trial, so he was going to be placed on trial and killed. The night before Peter was placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened by two chains between soldiers. Others stood guard uh, uh, at the prison gate. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and, and, and an angel of the Lord appeared to Peter. The angel struck him uh, on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. It's like, this is, this is an interesting thing. Even the angels are doing like prison break. Hey, let's, let's move it. Anyway, uh, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, get dressed. It's so sad. It looks like they were chaining him naked. That's, that's weird. Then the angel said, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me. Then the, uh, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. But all the time he thought it was a vision. That means Peter was not expecting to be free. He was like, wait a minute. It's only after he's way outside the prison he goes, oh. No, 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 I'm not asleep. This is not a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and the second guard post and came to the iron gate leading to the city and this, and this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street and then the angel suddenly left him. I was like, whoa, okay. At least wake me up and say you're not dreaming. He just, okay, my job here is done. Peter finally came to, to his senses. He's like, wait, it's really true, he said. The Lord has sent this angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders were planning to do to me. He was not expecting to be free. But it wasn't just him. Remember the disciples were praying for him because he was arrested? Look at what's happening. He knocked at the door and a servant girl named Rhoda came and opened it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed because they were praying for Peter. Instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. I just love it when people are so happy, they don't know what to do. Like, come on, girl, open the door. But I was like, what? Peter is here. Woo. You know? Uh, it's, anyway, sorry. Okay. <laughs> You're out of your mind, they said. You're, these are the other apostles and disciples of Jesus. A servant girl tells them, Peter is here. And they tell him, you're out of your mind. They decided it must be an angel or it must be a ghost. Like, I think you're seeing a vision or Peter's ghost. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. Like they left him outside. Poor Peter's like, no, it couldn't be Peter. I, I resonate with this. Sometimes I pray for people and I am zero on the faith thing. And they go, I'm feeling better. I'm like, oh, I, I've never said you're out of your mind. But I do walk away thinking, I think they just played me. I'm like, really? Because that was a big one. I'm like, I think you're joking. I think you want me to hear that. Or I think it's a feel-good effect. 
I think it could be placebo. And, and I'm like, well, let me ask you again next week, right? And then it's only after a week I go, oh my word, they were truly healed. So they're like, I think it's a ghost. They left Peter. If you've been in prison naked and then you thought you were out of vision and then your friends left you out knocking, my first words to them would be, what's wrong with you guys? I've been not Anyway, uh, I don't even know what I was reading. Oh, yeah, yeah. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. I want to tell you why they reacted like this. They were living within the tension of the kingdom. The now and the not yet. We read the stories in Acts. We read the stories in scripture. And we think this was day after day after day of victory. But if you read carefully, there's all, there are also many times of what could look like disappointment. Because what they were hoping for didn't come. This is why. I'm going to go back Acts 12 verse 1. About the time, so this was before Peter was arrested. About the time King Herod Agrippa began to persecute believers, he had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod had how much it pleased the Jews, he also arrested Peter. So, just a few, just a while ago, one of their own, a follow, an apostle of Jesus, had been arrested. The apostles and disciples must have prayed. And guess what? That one died. So you can see why they, they don't really, are not expect, they're not really expecting that to be Peter. Because they've been through this one before. James had died and they were praying. What is it? The now and the not yet of the kingdom. Why would God release one and not the other? It's the tension of the kingdom. Is that we're living in between ages. This age of death, sin, chaos, misery. And the age to come of healing, restoration, the dead are brought to life. And joy is our portion. That is the best framework I can offer. to how we deal with when healing doesn't happen. It's because it's a tension we live in. It's the reality of the time we we're in. Some of the unhelpful things people say, oh, you did not have enough faith. What if that person, you know what Jesus says about faith? If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, so what, what do you mean enough faith? All they needed was a faith as small as a mustard seed. Yes, there is a connection between faith and healing. Yet Jesus says all you need is a faith as small as a mustard seed. The fact that they came for prayer is a huge step for, of faith. Who are, who are we to tell people you did not have enough faith? Some people say, well, you did not pray enough. What, what, what if they've been praying every morning? What it, who are we to say that? Now, I mean, it could happen at some point, but it is not because of the number of prayers they make. The number of prayers they make is just a testament that they're leaning into Jesus and trusting Him. That's very unhelpful when we say that. Some people tell, tell them, oh, you have sin in your life. 
Well, what if they just repented right before they came out? Scripture says God is faithful and willing to forgive. What else do you want them to, to do? Who are we to say that? It's just tension of the kingdom. Some say, well, fast a little longer. We cannot manipulate God. We cannot manipulate God. Now, Jesus does say, that usually when people say this, they refer to that story I read earlier of, of uh, a demon who, was, who didn't leave. And Jesus says, some kind require fasting. Uh, 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 fasting. The thing people leave out when they say that and say this is that Jesus never says how long. Jesus never says why. What I do know about fasting and prayer is that like all spiritual disciplines, they form us into a, into a certain kind of people. So that, that's the best I can say, you know, that sometimes we are becoming a kind of person that God is forming. It's the tension of the kingdom. So what do we do? One, we stop blaming others, we stop blaming ourselves. And then we lean in, we lean in. Never stop praying for healing, don't stop praying for people, don't stop praying for yourself, don't give simplistic explanations, just don't. We pray and we trust God, we pray and we trust God. Should we stop praying when people don't get healed? No, let's pray. Unless they are done. You don't push people. Like, no, I think we should pray again. If they respectfully tell you, I think I'm okay, that's it. It may happen a day later. It may happen a week later. It may happen a month later. It may happen a year later. It may happen years in. Like some of the stories we shared. Well, guess what? It may happen at the fullness of the kingdom of God. Don't grow weary of asking Grieve the pain and the tension and celebrate the joy of the presence of God. Surrender. I am amazed at how much the end goal is love. Praying for the sake, it's not about badges on our belt. Why do I keep, I think that's a very weird movie thing where people put belts on. So badges are put, yeah. It's, we don't pray for people to have badges on, oh, I, I've prayed for this one, I've prayed for that one, I've prayed for that one, and they go, well, that's not what we're looking for. The end goal is love. We are being a people who look like our Father. It's not a badge of honor to go, oh, when I pray, miracles happen. What will happen when they don't? You'll be so frustrated. It's not about that. It's about who we are becoming. What I also hope this does, if the worship team can join me up, what I hope this does is that it also, do not expect any trouble. God does not cause trouble. It's the tension we live in, yet God will always redeem it. And at the very best, he will sit with us. So when Jesus said, ask, pray, and seek, he finished by saying, because the Father is faithful to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. God will never leave you without his presence. When healing happens, he is there. When death happens, he is there. God will never leave you without his presence.
Why don't you stand? Today, I just want us to... Uh, if the, we'll, we'll baptize the people we're baptizing now. I invite you to, to just respond in this time, either in worship or celebrating those we're baptizing. And the thing is, I invite us to hope. I invite us to hope. Hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is trusting that God keeps His promises. God keeps His promises.